Jennifer. Richard. How are you? I am doing great today. You look great. Everything looks great over there on your side of the woods. Yep, so my office. Cool. Amazing. Ocean right out the window there. Yep. Can't quite jump out with your surfboard, but that would be lovely. It would be lovely. I am in outer space today, in deep space, because I thought, what the heck? We're on Mars today. Mars is out there somewhere. You know, why not? I, why not? You know, it's weird. About three years ago, I went with one of my kids to JPL on a science fair thingy do. Mm -hmm. And we did visit Perseverance, the uh, the really? new, yeah. And I was thinking, gosh, that'd be so cool if I could go down and carve my initials on the side or slip a little note in there. You know, there is a pretty fantastic story. And of course, it, the name of the uh, astronaut slips from my mind. Uh, they made a movie about it. But this one astronaut, his brother and him had like a psychic connection. And as an experiment, it could be the guy who created Noetic Science, the, the, the astronaut who did Sounds that. Sounds very familiar, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, but apparently uh, he, he wrote a note to his brother while he was on the moon. And it was like a, like not a nonsense word, but something out of the Bible. And the brother received the message. You've never heard of it. We've never talked about it because it's one of those things that it just is in the lore. Today on CNN, a woman said that 20 years ago, her husband dreamt of the lottery numbers, the winning lot 20 years ago, dreamt that they won the lottery and had the numbers. She played them for 20 years and they came up today. She won $60 million. So what does that tell us? You know, you and I have joked about this many times. Like, what are the lottery numbers? And then they always give us like nonsense numbers or- You want a dollar. Yeah, or the time that I want a dollar. <laughs> and then I heard, not very specific, were you? Not just, you know, can I win the lottery, but I need to win all of it. Anyway. Right. That's us talking about process a little bit because the idea that somebody on the flip side could access visuals, stuff that's happening in the future. And we have many accounts of it and you pretty much do it every day in your work, but there are accounts of it um, in David Bennett's book, Voyage of Purpose, he had a near death experience and he saw like 20 years in the future that he was gonna survive cancer. So, right. so much so that when 20 years later, when the doctor told him your x-rays show that you're not gonna survive. He was able to say, oh no, actually I do survive. The doctor said, you're in denial. He said, no, no, I've, I've already seen this. I already saw you telling me this. Yeah. So, you know, it's not so much that we're that, trying to help people true. tap into that, you know? Right. Well, you're always against prophecies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I just that want to acknowledge right. that you know, well, I want to acknowledge that your gift of hearing, sensing, seeing, whatever, the flip side, allows you a different kind of access to information that we don't have, the rest of us don't have. And we haven't figured out yet how to parse that information, how to, you know, put it in a file and say, you know, don't go into Texas on Friday because it's going to snow. Well, okay. 
so to that point, it's created an unrealistic reality for me because I do try to control the future, which is absurd. But um, you mean in your own life or for other people? In my own life, for other people. I mean, people come to me and I tell them what I'm seeing or what I'm feeling, or I give them guidance. And that's why they, they come back because I'm able to give them guidance about whether it's medical, and I'm not a medical doctor, whether it's medical, whether it's their future, whether it's a romance, whatever it is, I give them something on a particular date to look for, right? What I have realized is that I am not supposed to know everything. Otherwise, I would know the lottery numbers. And <laughs> I, I get a general, like I know when I start panicking, I now know that feeling because it's happened way too frequently recently where something around me and I just have to allow it to happen. And if I can control it, they'll give it to me. But a lot of times I can't control it. What happens? Right. And then something happens. And so for people that have anxiety, a lot of that is about your future or about the unknown. And what, I mean, I completely understand that. What you what you were what we're meant to do though here in these bodies, I believe, is to be present in the moment and it's the way that we handle it is what you have to look at. You can't control what's gonna happen, but you can do your best in being present and not being, you know, whatever I say this. Um like if you feel like you shouldn't go to a party, then don't go. <laughs> or right. Go. Or I shouldn't drive today or something like that. Or Listen, how many times have we heard somebody that said, I, or with 9-11, I wasn't, you know, I woke up sick. I woke up, I shouldn't be, you know, I felt like I shouldn't be going to work that day or, or so I stayed home and then this happened, you know. Now, um, along those lines, and I just want to add, because I've heard, you know, I've heard many of those same stories as well. But I have also heard uh, people who were, and this was in Michael Newton's work, where some of the people reported seeing themselves in a conversation with their guides, where the guides came to them to present them an alternate journey for them. And literally like, you know, your phone rings, hey, come on over here, we want to talk to you for a minute. You go into a room and there's these great teachers and counselors and they're saying, now look, something's going to happen. It's coming up this week. It's coming up soon. And right. you can opt out. And now this is really crazy making for many people. But the idea of you can opt out. However, if you don't opt out, let's say you participate, I'm going to show you what's going to happen. Your wife is going to do this. Your family's going to do that. And right. the next lifetime will have all of that come together in a different way. So you will be able to participate with those people again in a future lifetime if you participate. I mean, it's a weird contract to agree to, but all I can say is people have claimed both. I right. agreed to that contract or I agreed to that agreement. And also I passed. I said, I know, I, I really, I, everything's worked out. I'm not going to work that day. I'm going to avoid whatever right. that is. So I, it's very mind uh, bending for people to hear it. I, I think that people, I think this conversation, I mean, the real substance of it needs to be 
follow your intuition. It helped, it has saved people's lives by following your intuition. I mean, how many times did you just know that there was going to be something happening? And I want to mention that I followed my intuition once as well. Well, once, only once. <laughs> I felt a crash and like, and I told my dear friend Michelle, I'm like, Michelle, we can't drive, we can't drive. We gotta take an Uber. Well, we got in a crash in the Uber. <laughs> you, felt, you felt the crash and it we happened. Felt the crash, and so I thought, whew, let's take an Uber so we don't crash, right? And then we crashed in, in the Uber crash. Like we were at, on the freeway on the 110 yeah. going down to San Diego and a car came, we were, car came 30 miles per hour and hit us. Right. Well, I I think I wanna I wanna see if we can address this a little bit, uh, okay. and that is process. You know how, not so much how do we predict things that are going to occur, but more along the lines is what's the method, what's the operating uh, procedure of what's going on, and is there any way that we can get in touch with it in our ourselves? You know, whether through meditation, whether through hypnosis whether through calling Jennifer every day, like, you know, to ask her if I should have vanilla or chocolate ice cream today, whatever, whatever the process is. So, um, bef but before we get to that, I did have a couple of questions from our, our viewers who you know, are sending questions now. Thank you very much. Um, got a lovely note from a guy named Tyler. Okay. And he said, Hi, Tyler. Hello, Tyler. And he said that he had lost his, uh, the love of his life. Her name is Alicia, A-L-Y-S-H-A. And um, he was just saying that our work had helped him access, uh, get over, you know, not get over his grief, but at least help assuage his grief in some way because the awareness that she still exists. But I thought, what the heck? Um, this he is has, how you yeah he has something of hers that he holds on to whether it's in it's hold on it's like a necklace that he holds on to when he thinks of her i'm sure he has a ring i'm sure he has plenty of things there's something that there's something with lavender or perfume that he could smell so we don't know this guy and so asking a personal question to somebody on the flip side I have to apologize in advance if that'll offend anybody, but I, let's ask Alicia. Let's just ask her. That's if what we I can access her, go ahead. That's what I did do, as I asked so, her. But, but so I, but I wrote down her name and I wrote down Tyler's name. That's how I work. That makes so sense. Just a demonstration. Yeah. And I was just asking him, like, what helps him connect to you? And she said, you know, she he's holding on to something of mine. And granted, that sounds very vague, but. I'm seeing a picture that's coming to my mind's eye that it's like something darker. It looks like it has beads on it and it, it's something that he's holding. That's what it feels like. So it's some type of jewelry. Um, and then I'm getting, and it's something with her perfume. Like there's a scent of her perfume. So I would like to say like either clothing or something like that, but I feel like it's jewelry. Um, so if I can ask Alicia, how do you create that? How do you create that scent or that image to him? It's a physical scent, but he gives her, he gives him, excuse me, he gives Tyler, show me again, the idea to go touch it, to make that connection with I her. I see. Okay. That's what I was asking. How do you guys communicate? And I've, 
you know, I've spent a lot of time with Jennifer working on the, her process and a lot of times it's visuals and she'll say, well, it's such and such. And then I'll ask, well, wait a second. What do you mean by that? He looks at letters or e so when I get shown letters, it could be emails, it could be text messages, but he's looking at something. Um, he's looking at pictures and things that describe the events, I think underneath the pictures. Yeah. So like a scrapbook or something. Are you making one? He's thinking about making one or he's made one. Somebody. Okay. And my question for you, Alicia, is was this was this exit planned in advance or how did it come about? It was, but neither one of us knew about it at the time of the events as it was happening. Have you guys had previous lifetimes before? Oh, she's just showed me a movie somewhere in time. Oh, so does that mean you have? Many times. Many times. And so what's a good way for him to connect you from here? It would be not having fear, first of all. And thank you, Richard, for helping that process. And for him just to ask me questions. I'll put feelings. He gets more of feelings. You know, some people get, everybody gets different ways of communicating to the afterlife. Some people hear things, some people see things, some people feel things. It's called claircognizant when you feel things. And I do feel like he, um, he can feel when she's around. Like when you get the chills, she just showed me that, you know, getting the chills, like he can feel that. Um, that's all he really needs to do or look at a photograph, she says, or go into a memory. Well, let me ask you something about that because we've written about it. We've talked about it. Photographs appear to retain time because they're, they set the frequency in space. Mm -hmm. Photograph. You know, it's, it's really magnetized time. Is that a form of a portal? That's my question. Can people on the flip side talk to us when we're looking at them holding a photograph with them in a photograph? It's so fascinating. She goes, yes, because you, we can join them in the memory. So you're at, and so the memory exists like a packet of time. We've talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, so they're able, like if you think about the memory, they're able to join you in the memory as it's happening because there is no time. Well, I believe there's no time and space. And so past, present, future shows up the same way for me. And that doesn't mean anything to you, but it would make sense to me that a memory, you can go back, be actually with them in a memory. Not just see it, but actually feel it as if it was, how many times have you had like deja vu or where you, you swore you've just, you've been there before or and then you rem then you remember oh yeah it was back you know such and such but it was so clear that memory was so clear after you figured it out you're actually stepping into that place in time now interestingly enough when we had our interview with stephen hawking in our book backstage pass to the flip side i think it was number one or two he talked about time being like a packet he actually called it a floppy disk and if you can access the floppy disk, it's like a hologram. Was that a shiver? It was like yeah. a hologram of that time and space. And so the idea of, you know, here he is, the maestro of time. 
we're accessing a floppy disk, a hologram, and a hologram retains all the information of everything that's in the hologram. Right. We're accessing a hologram of that time and space. So the photograph functions as a hologram, even though it's not, but it is a hologram because you're connecting to them frequency-wise, sound-wise, you remember the sound of their voice, the way they looked, the time of day the photograph was taken, et cetera, et cetera. It's got all that information in that photograph and you're tapping into the floppy disk of Uncle Pete. Right, and that's what they're saying that I'm doing when I look into somebody's, when I look into somebody's past, you know, past. Nobody says, hey, look into my past. No one says that. But when I go into an event, like somebody recently, their shoulder was hurting, I'm like, I'm being shown a crunch. You got in an accident two weeks ago. And her mouth just dropped. She goes, I did. I got in an accident two weeks ago. <laughs> You know, like, how did you know that kind of thing? They don't ask me to go figure it out. Or yeah, like, go back into my past and tell me, you know, when I sneeze too hard. Yeah, and so then, you know, and then that gives me a barometer about why she's hurting and where it hurts and what she should, you know, that kind of thing. But nobody says, God, my, nobody cares. We're like, well, I already know that. <laughs> yeah, but... But I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it is part of the process, which is you're tapping into the floppy disk. And floppy disk just works better than a CD because you remember those big things, you know, because it had a lot of stuff. But that idea of tapping into the floppy disk. So speaking of floppy disks, uh, Luana, our friend, our pal, I did, ask, I did ask her last night if she had anybody she wanted to talk to. Now, again, when I'm having a conversation with my friend Luana, I'm not like Jennifer. It's not like... You know, I can dial, you know, get the dial moving. But I just, in my mind's eye, I'm half awake and I'm half asleep and I, I'm not consciously asking, but I am asking because I remember it. You know, who do you want to talk to? Now, she gave me somebody she wanted to talk to. And Is I will Larry tell you. King? Larry King? Oh, it's all right. Does Larry King want to come and talk to us? I don't think he does, but that's, I, he popped in. I think he's just watching because they showed me. Remember when... Um, Kobe Bryant did that, where he's just checking it out for a little bit before. He yeah, came. Kobe Bryant, because I was just mentioning it to somebody today. That's, we that's spoke all to. It's all he's doing right now. He's just and very just good. Shocked, we it just shocked me. I know I'm not thinking of him, so it just very good. Me. Larry, welcome to our class. Why don't you just hang out a little bit, check it as well, check out what we're doing. We're doing something. It's a little bit like what you did on a very small scale. He just but, said he could, he, he could teach us a lot. That's all I heard. <laughs> he, can, he can what? Teach us a lot about interview. Oh, teach us a lot about interview. Of course. Um, I do know somebody who knew him, a friend of his. So, But hang, hang out. Check it out. Uh, I just want to mention, I was talking about the Kobe Bryant interview today. It's in book uh, three. Or no, it's at the end of book two. Anyway, backstage pass to the flip side. I interviewed him in Italian. I, I knew that he spoke Italian, and I know that Jennifer doesn't. So I asked him questions. So today, Jennifer, I, never, I hadn't thought to do this, but, but I asked him what he missed about Italy, about his time in Italy. And he showed you a photograph of a red Ferrari. And because you said, I'm, I asked in Italian, you know, what do you miss about being in Italy? And you said, I'm getting a red Ferrari. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, that's weird. Well, that would be Italian. But today, I Googled it. I searched it. I found it. 
What? The red Ferrari. Yeah, absolutely. Shut the front no, door. No, I'm not shutting the front door. We miss so much. We got to go back and look I at know. All- it's like I had to go back and, you know, verify everything. But, you know, you know me. It's just like keep charging ahead. But <laughs> I just thought that was fascinating because, I look, I didn't, you know, we could logically assume that Kobe got a bunch of cars. I didn't know that. He was a huge collector. And he had a red convertible Ferrari. Pretty much exactly what you described um, when we talked to him. Anyway, the point is um, that we're not just asking questions and getting, Larry, pay attention. We're not just asking questions and getting answers. We're getting images. And we're getting images that relate to people's previous lifetimes. We're playing charades. We're playing charades. Very good. So when I asked Luana who she wanted to talk to last night, who we should talk to, the answer I got was you. I mean, me. Me. Okay. And I laughed at that because I was like, nobody wants to hear my story. Whatever. But she meant, she corrected me. Well, that's that's why she said Larry King. That makes sense because Larry King's not ready. So, well, but here's but here's my here's the thing that, that I got out of her, which is like I don't want to talk to I would I don't want to interview and talk to you, I want to talk to your higher self. So okay. just to, so people understand the parameter, this is a very unusual conversation. So I'm going to be talking to your higher self. I'm going to be I'm going to be asking my higher self questions awesome. that you that you can answer or not or whatever. Stuff that I'm not aware of, okay? Let's just put it that way. And for pe- for clarity's sake, and this is why it's important that we're doing this, people report that we bring about a third of our conscious energy to a lifetime, basically. Anywhere between 20 and 40%. In the research that I've done, the thousands of cases that Michael Newton did, about a third. So two-thirds of who we are is somewhere else. By the way, I just got that I bring only 20%. I'm like, what? And they're like, you're not in your body. <laughs> <laughs> you're out. Yeah, like, you're, oh, you're out okay. there. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, but I thought, it, so I'm like, what do you mean? I only do 20%. I like it. I'm like, I probably have 90 from everywhere. They're like, oh no, my dear, 20, maybe 15. Because I'm Maybe 15. And so it's an interesting construct, mainly because when I mention it, people kind of, they're confused by it. You know, instead of using the word soul, how much of your soul did you bring? It's really your conscious energy. Who Jennifer is over all those lifetimes. Who Richard is over all of his lifetimes. I don't remember what I said. It was something like 25%. I don't remember. doesn't matter. But the point is, is that there's a higher self that we can access. And sometimes we do that. So when when Jennifer and I are talking to somebody on the flip side, Stephen Hawking, for example, even if he's reincarnated, we're accessing the, the hologram of the time period when he existed as that guy in the wheelchair. We're not talking to who he was when, in a previous lifetime or lifetimes before, but we could. Right. Like, for example, in uh, one of our books, we interviewed the 13th <laughs> Dalai Lama, which was, I've done a lot of research about him. So that was a very unusual conversation because the 14th is here, meaning a percentage of the 13th is here. So we were able to access that guy, that floppy disk of who he was back in the 1920s and 30s, and verified a number of key details about his lifetime. 
And it's only because I'm so esoteric that I happen to know a lot of key details about the 13th lifetime. Okay. okay. So, the, so that's a long way of saying Luana was suggesting mm -hmm. for the benefit of our audience, not for my benefit, but that we demonstrate how we can access this, a person's higher self. Now, let's just stop there and say, Lou, is that what you meant? It's about knowing how to embody your higher self now. All right. So, yes. So, so yes. Okay. And embody your higher self now. Meaning which, like, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Meaning being more connected. Bingo. Bingo. Okay. So, Lou... You're familiar with your my high. So real fast, Go ahead. when you get into the vortex or consciousness or God or whatever you want to call it, don't get caught up on semantics, please. When you're more in that, from what I understand and from what I feel like, it's just so it's always so interesting, right? Here we here Larry King showed up, reminded me of Kobe, and you researched Kobe this morning, like shit like that. Sorry. Stuff like that. That's kind of funny, right? Yeah. So I was researching the I am this morning and really going into that because the more that you are, the more that you can feel connected, like you said, is by getting into that presence of the all, right? Well, yes. And, or connecting to, yeah. Your you can self. imagine that you're, if two thirds of your conscious energy is back home, you can imagine it and it's aware of all of your lifetimes you can imagine that it's probably got a different way of speaking or a different way of communicating. Always. I channel and I always ask my guidance every, you know, if I have a situation, I'll go straight to my, you know, laptop and I'll start channeling and writing. And it's always better than anything that I could even just sit there and get. It's yeah. A, it's a different channel. It's more secure. Let's call it more secure. <laughs> a more secure. I love that. All right, well, Lou, let's ask a couple of questions just to see what we're talking about here. So we knew each other for 20 years on the planet. We knew each other really well. Um, so 20, tw 20 years 20, here and then 20 years since, right? It's felt like 22, but okay, go ahead. All right, well, <laughs> Lou, don't make me do math. I know. Yeah, it probably was 22. What, 78? And you passed in 96 whatever that is. Um, so my question to you is how different am I persona wise than my higher self? I'm sure you're aware of both. That explains it all right there. Okay. Um, you were very different, very, so early on in your life, you were very, um, very uh, linear. I want to say like you weren't, you weren't, of course you weren't awake. Even though you were able to channel music and everything else, you got bits and pieces, but now it's so vast. You're so much aware. You're, you are aware of all your different pieces, like a lot of your different pieces, because they showed me you as, you know, as an Indian, you as um, somebody, I see you with bare feet, like in Rome, like they're showing me all these different parts of you that you're able to extract and bring through now at any time where you weren't even aware, of course, you weren't even aware of that earlier. 
right. really important in your life. Okay, so, and so I'm a little bit so. Well, no, uh, the question is, what's the difference? And so I guess the, that answer is kind of like, because you're accessing more of it, because I'm spending more time accessing memories, right. which is what happens. You know, you, I've had six uh, hypnotherapy sessions and I've accessed a number of lifetimes. Let's just call it that. And every time one shows up, I'm like, oh, that's weird. You know, I remember being in that place or, or traveling there at some time in my life and going, oh, I feel like I'm home whether it was India or Greece or Rome or Tibet or whatever. And now as I do this research, of course, more images come through, whether, uh, you know, I can remember a lifetime in France where I was quite the cad, you know, like somebody who had a lot of money and didn't really care much about people, uh, an annoying jerk, let's just say. Um, but Rich. <laughs> but but the, to access that persona allows me to get insight into why people behave like that, you know, where they just don't care about other people. They're just so focused on their journey. So all I can say is the more I'm accessing these memories, the more it kind of opens up more doors for me. But uh, in terms of, let's say in terms of Jennifer's higher self, which is, not the person who's in front of us, but the somebody, the person that Jennifer has been over many lifetimes. What would she, what is the difference between her and our Jennifer in front of us? <laughs> That's so funny. The difference <laughs> is she has Jack to contend with. <laughs> Give me a second. That was just really funny. Hold on. You say I'm embodying my higher self more and more, more and more each day. The more that I love all things, like all things, everything, the more that that embodies my higher self. The more because that you love. The more that I love. And we're talking about plants, food, you know, space, my hands, my feet. Like the more that I love and know that everything's divine, even in chaos and loss and grief. And the more that that takes on my higher, the more that I'm able to take on my higher self. So Lou, I guess the next question would be, how can we help people on the planet access their higher selves? This other two thirds wow. that of their energy, what, what did you get? Not telling. Okay, well, Lou, let's ask Lou. Not Jennifer, but no, no, go ahead. I didn't see it coming. That's just kind of funny. Like, it's love. The way to access your higher self is because if you love everything, if you think about it, if you love everything and if you love everyone, doesn't mean you have to like them, by the way. Um, I'm kidding, kind of, not really. Um, <laughs> I understand. I'll keep it. Show me again. Hold on. The more access you have to the universe, because okay, if, very... you have any, if you have any objection, if you have any like fear or doubt, or you know you're holding on so tight, they just showed me the guy that was um, atheist. Which, if you're atheist, that's you. It's there's no wrong, right or wrong. That's just who you are. But that will hold you back from loving the universe, or that will hold you back from love. 
Okay. And so I and just, let me, let's okay. ask Luana a, for a definition of love. What is love? What is that? It is the way you view your source. You mean like the medium, like the medium of how you view source, like the, the equipment or the me mechanism for viewing source. Okay. Right. And so if, if I didn't like myself and some believe me, yeah, a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't like their lives. Don't like being here. I've heard that many times. That would stop me from loving other people fully. Okay. And here's what I want to go down this path for a second, which is, and it's exactly what you were talking about. Love, love is the vehicle for this kind of insight into yourself. Not just the object, like I need to love, but it's the vehicle, the thing that drives you there, the red Ferrari that'll drive you into love. So how does that work? Well, we've heard this, open your heart Right. to everyone and all things. We've heard that before. And the idea of that perhaps consciousness, this quantum entanglement of how everyone's connected, if we can open ourselves up to that, meaning open your heart, whatever that means, open your heart, unconditionally, unconditional love, opening your heart, that's the vehicle to access your higher self. So for example, what's, what would be an example? Lou, give us an example of how Jennifer or I, or somebody out there watching, could open their heart to somebody that they don't like, can't stand, don't care for. They just hit me over the head. I guess that's a start. <laughs> you <They just, laughs> show me my mind's like, when, um, hold on. By not having judgment about what you are supposed to love. Because that in and of itself is a judgment. Okay, so opening up love is a frequency that allows the cascade of love to flow back through you. So just to give people a one, two, three. Meditate on the people that you can't stand or the people that you love. Or, or meditate on whatever that thing, your, your cat, your dog, something that you love unconditionally, and then move that to spread out to include everybody else. Would that be a kind of meditation for that? Or what would be a way to do They're it? They're saying to focus on you, not the person you don't like. They're saying, focus on the love that you have that, that is abundant instead of it lacking. So when you're talking about that person you don't like, instead of trying to focus in on the person you don't like, focus in on the love that you have that can cure everything, heal everything, spread over to everything, good, bad, or indifferent. Because if you get away from what it is you're supposed to love, then you move into what, what's already there and you can love. So the one, two, three, right? We want to do something easy. One, two, three is to like, they're saying have love built up, whether it's, you know, each body part, um, the fact you can breathe, your skin, the fact that, um, you know, they just showed me my view, which is, it's so gorgeous right now that you can't see it because of the light, but. Um, your sunsets, yeah. 
focus on things that you might take for granted. Like okay, all right, very, all right. So, all right, so that's a, a, an example. So that would be, it's the thing of like, if you're gonna sit down and meditate and think about something, you know, what do you put in your mind's eye? And just that word, what do you love unconditionally? It could be a sunset. It could be the right. taste of yeah. cappuccino. Could be the sun on your face. It could be swimming in the ocean. Okay, so I was saying something, I was fighting, of course, with them. <laughs> They're saying being is the state of meditation that brings love. Hold on. Because I'm like, can't you just say, instead of meditate, just say, I'm going to go love. And they're like, by being, that causes the meditative state, which then enhances the love that you can, you know, bring through. Um, yeah, and I just want to clarify, when I say meditation, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, got to take a class. Meditation, actually the word med, uh, people know this, it, you know, it's Latin for to measure. And people who are meditating are measuring their thoughts, trying to figure out how does this work or how does that work. So you could be riding a bike and meditating. You could be swimming and meditating. You could be doing yoga and meditating. You could be playing a song, singing a song, playing a piano, playing a guitar. They're all forms of measuring because while you're doing it, you start to think, oh, I really, I miss so-and-so or I'm thinking of so-and-so. You are literally measuring, thinking about something else than what you're doing. That's anyway, what so that's what I'm doing all day long. When I'm all working. day long. But that idea of what love is, and it's it's an amorphous kind of weird word because it's un, it's really not defined. We don't have a physical or scientific definition for it. But I also want to point out that you can't talk about love really it's from it, except through experience. If you've experienced love then you have a reference point forward. People who've never experienced love, I, we can say until we're blue in the face, you know, just try to love other somebody else. They're like, I don't know what that is because they haven't experienced in this lifetime. And then you have lives they do. loved so much that are gone. You have that. You know? True, but I'm just saying there are some people who are like, I don't believe that, you know, life ends and I'm not sure if I even love the sandwich I'm having. That idea of love is, is conceptual to them as opposed to experiential. Right, and, so that's, and that's what they're saying, is don't judge what you should love. Embrace that everything has love. Some you can see and some, you, some of it you can't. Well, I think it goes to this connectivity thing. We've talked about this often, right. especially people who are under hypnosis talking about what they're seeing. They see what's over my shoulder. They see, and you've said, said it many times, all these lights of beings connected at the same time. I've asked you this question, how do people show up in our classroom? And Sorry. you've said, it's like all the lights go off simultaneously and they're like, hey, the class is here. And it could be infinite, the amount of people who show up to wanna to chat with us in our class. But okay, let's go to Larry, because Larry, you're here. I don't wanna ignore you. He's just observing. Do you wanna to chat today or you want us to hold off on that? Hold off, he says. Okay. Was it? Were you surprised when you got to the flip he side? Have, he wants to have more time. <laughs> he wants to have more time than ten minutes. Well, I can ask you. Did you? Were you uh, ple pleased by your trip to the flip side, or surprised, or shocked? 
Oh, yes, he was. He was pleased. He said he felt like he wasn't going to be, but he was. And Michael Jackson was one of the first people that saw him. So what was that reunion like? Was that unusual for you or? It was pure love. It wasn't unusual at all. In my work, I was able to, as everybody knows, meet everybody. But again, it's not somebody you think. Oh, she just, okay. He just showed me um, Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor? Sure. Larry, notice that I'm interviewing you without asking you questions the same way you do it. <laughs> He's laughing. <laughs> yeah, not easy to make Larry laugh. Who was there or what was the experience like when you crossed over? Was it Michael and Liz or? It was Michael and Liz and everybody else in between. And was that a surprise to realize that they still existed or Michael's was that? Michael's the reason why they're in the class. That's what he's saying. Michael's the reason why he came to this class. I see. Okay, very good. And Michael, appreciate that. You bring it in your pals whenever you do. Um, always interesting to hear from our, the musicians in our class because they talk a lot about frequency and the frequency of being able to connect to people back on the planet. And their music really does keep people connected throughout. Anybody who hears their music is connected in some way. But Larry, you interviewed so many people. You met so many people. And everyone talks about you in the same way with uh, generosity and that you're a generous person yeah. and a professional and also very kind. Who, are, who have you been surprised to see? I don't listen to that. <laughs> you, you didn't talk to my ex-wives. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So who are you surprised to see on the flip side? Have you seen your family or? Yeah, his children. Wow. He said that was the toughest part of being on earth was without his kids, two of his kids. I see. Yeah. I Again, I didn't remember... It was just something he put into my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. He did lose a couple of children. I didn't know that. I was, I was not aware of that. Well, Larry, I will do my due diligence and I will learn enough about you so that we can carry on a sane conversation. And, you know, truthfully, I, cause I would have asked for you uh, if I thought it was the right time, but the fact that you showed up is just, let's just say it's a preview. We're doing a preview here for a future conversation. So, dear friend now of mine a client um tom he's he he brought it up last it was just interesting because he brought it up last week he goes i can't believe you guys haven't interviewed me i'm like i just didn't even think about it and it just he just like i'm just thinking about it now i did not think of larry king like it just happened to be like i didn't just, uh, i didn't either oh. other than i thought okay but well I think that was but then again that was to bring up kobe like it's just so i just have learned just to go with it whether people yeah. like if you're listening this far into the podcast and you don't like it, please stop. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, we've had this before. When Anthony Bourdain came by to talk to us, mm -hmm. there came a time when we were interviewing Frank Sinatra and he seemed very taciturn about his, uh, and my questions maybe were not, they were missing. And so I asked Anthony to step in and Anthony came in and his question was, how did you deal with the fame and not kill yourself? So let's ask Larry, how did you deal with the fame? 
He said, I did things that made me stay, like that made him stay accountable and that made him, so he's, you know, where much was given much, you know, he gave a lot because of the fact he was given a lot. He tried to balance that. He also, um, he tried to keep his private life kind of out of it. You successfully you know? did that. I mean, as best as you could. Is there anybody you wanted to say something still to? Affected, still affected his children. Still affected his family. Is there anybody you, anything you want us to impart to anybody tuning in, uh, thinking about you? Show me Oprah, which I think is interesting. <laughs> He's like, tell her to take my spot. <laughs> well, I mean, she did. She did in her own way, of course. And, you know, she she figured out how to parlay that into an empire, right? Yeah. She was more clever in that way. And I did know one of the King brothers who was one of the guys who was responsible for her meteoric rise. And so, but in terms of anybody that loves you or friends of yours that you want to pass along a message to. We'll talk about, there's, it's too entailed. We'll talk about it next time. We'll talk about it next time. Okay, very good. I'm you know, just trying to get a preview out of you. So, <laughs> and next week, we're going to hear from Larry King that he has the lottery numbers. <laughs> now, had you met Luana before? Is this an unusual conversation for you and Luana? He showed me Jack Nicholson at a party one time. I don't know if I heard 1991 or something like that. Okay. Well, for those tuning in, they would know that Luana and Jack were very close friends. That was the last person he thanked in his Oscar speech, um, Luana. Yeah. And they were tight. And they, Luana was the one who talked him into joining her acting class back in the old MGM days. So they were close friends and remained close friends throughout all the years. And we've heard this frequently when somebody shows up in our class and they go, well, I know Luana through Jack or I know Luana through. And it's this six degrees of separation that we find where one person, and I'll just really quickly. Six, six degrees of Rich Martini. <laughs> really quickly, I had somebody on Quora ask me about Will Shakespeare because we interviewed Will because of Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman had done a lot of Shakespeare. And when we interviewed Alan Rickman, I asked him, why not? Have you met Will Shakespeare? And he said, yes, I have. And so today on Quora, some guy was saying, well, wait a minute. Will Shakespeare was this other guy. You know, he was pretending to be. And I thought to myself, no, <laughs> that's not accurate. But, you know, I don't know. All I can say is we talked to Will numerous times. He came in and he had lovely things to say. So, Larry, is there anybody you want to talk to or you want to interview now that you're over there? They're already lined up. They're lined up. Okay, very good. He's actually, <laughs> I just saw Morton again. <laughs> so I don't know if they're having a contest to see, they're like documenting different things, but yes. Oh. Michael Newton is that reference to Morton because Jennifer right. got his name that way when he first showed up. Uh, cool. So a preview uh, of who you're going to help us interview, because that's what I'm going to do, Larry. You, I'm going to ask you to be to step in and ask questions. The one I just said, what am I, chopped liver? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, how long do I have you for, Jennifer? He'll give the questions to, he'll give the questions to the people to, up there to, um, to pass along. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, you have me just for a couple more minutes. Okay, very good. All right, so I just wanted to get into a little bit of process. I wanted to thank Carrie Skanderson of Phoenix, who wrote a lovely, lovely note, who reminded me of our Alan Rickman uh, interview, um, because she, Alan had shown up in her dreams a number of times, and she wanted to sort of verify, like, what the heck is he doing showing up over my place? But we found this to be true, that you may have known this person in a previous lifetime, you may have met somebody who's connected to them in some weird way you're not aware of. They may be just looking for somebody who can hear them. Right. And they may show up at your house in your dream and go, what's up? And you become consciously aware. Michael Jackson's a good example. So a friend of mine said, I felt like I danced with him. Like, where would that come from? And because there's no hierarchy over there, they're just beings. They're beings of light as yeah. we are. And we get a chance to sort of connect and reconnect with everybody. So I'm like, do people feel sorry for the actors here? <laughs> I think they said yes because of all the stuff they had to go through. Yeah, on, on some level, but also, also acting and music are part of the same healing energy. Yeah. People get healed through seeing actors, through laughing, through crying, through Absolutely. music. And I just that final thing is just to say that idea of opening up your heart to everyone and all things is a way to connect to your higher self so that you get guided. You get the instinct can become stronger. Right. And I have to say too, to everybody that's listening, I love my clients that come through this podcast. I absolutely love the people that have booked appointments and who, because they're already, they're already are a little bit more open, you know, and it's just so much fun because of, the frequency is so much fun for me. So That's I great. You can have an adventure. We love that. <laughs> okay, Jennifer, we're going to let you go. Thanks, Lou. Thanks, Larry. We'll catch you on the flip side. We'll catch you next week or whenever. You know, if some disaster happens, we might have to get caught up in that. And we appreciate everybody who's written to us at martiniprods at Gmail. Um, or you can follow links, blah, blah, blah. And if you have a question, also on Quora you have a really uh a, and you know we don't really do this thing of talking to people on the flip side but we just thought i'd give it a shot why not um, there is something that i'd like to get a little vote on i want to see if i would love to do a class with you because this is like it is a class right yeah see if people would be interested in that and either in how to like because i've always seen you being able to do a group even though you don't think you can like hypnotherapy oh i see yeah yeah no and jennifer and i talked about this like getting on a cruise ship you know with a thousand people of course not today but that idea of uh doing something uh that allows us to sort of give lectures and talk like a, a symposium maybe it's on zoom maybe it's on skype maybe it's at a hotel somewhere and it's on zoom first but sorry Maybe Try Zoom first. Maybe it's on Zoom first. But. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. We, love you. we love you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. You have a lovely day. You All too. Right. Bye, Richard. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye.